0: When a centurion asked Jesus to heal his servant, Pastor Ray Bentley says it revealed something important.
1: This centurion, he says, I'm not worthy that you, a Jew, prophet, should enter under my roof. How ironic is this? We're talking about amazing faith. Where does it come from? It begins by us being able to see ourselves for who we really are. Spread the news,
0: Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. We all know what it's like to want to put our best foot forward. We want others to see us in the most favorable light. But today, Pastor Ray points out we need to see ourselves exactly as we are, the way God sees us. It's there that we can begin an honest walk with the Lord. Let's listen now as Pastor Ray begins.
1: Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel. Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. The title of the message is Faith in God's Authority. While there are many things today that could lead toward fear and anxiety, economically that, and many of you are aware, there's all kinds of things happening that, you know, it was already shaky enough and it just seems like it continues Jesus said that men's hearts will fail them for fear in the last days. And um, so how do you, as a believer, avoid the world's anxieties and fears? And it really comes through faith, but, but not just faith as in believing. Because there is a kind of a new age attitude that it almost doesn't matter what you have faith in. As long as you have faith, there's you know, a variety and a plethora of things to believe in, and it all will come together and work out in the end not so faith in God the one true God the creator of the heavens and the earth our daddy our heavenly father revealed through his unique which means one and only son Jesus Christ and as we have faith in him and here's what I think the world is gonna get worse and what is now shaking will get shaken even more than we've ever dreamed. But at the same time God is going to reveal Himself and reveal His power and reveal His grace and reveal His mercy and reveal His glory and do great and mighty things for those who trust in Him. Amen? Well, let's talk about a Gentile centurion's faith, a story that uh, some of you probably are familiar with that his faith amazed Jesus now I believe you know we believe that Jesus is God manifest in the flesh how is it possible to amaze the Lord by having faith great faith and confidence in him and before we do that I want to just share a simple little story because faith is simply seeing reality seeing things as they really are. God is on the throne. God has a purpose. God has a plan. All things work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Um, rock climbing. And my son Daniel and his wife Jill uh, took the high school uh, youth group up and, and they went to Half Dome and, and climbed up, you know, as you can the back side of the mountain. Any, has anybody ever done that? Anybody here? Wow. Can anyone attest that it, it is challenging, <laughs> hard to do? Um, well, let's talk about rock climbing. There is a professional rock climber, uh, Royal Robbins, who says something interesting. He says that uh, one of the, the the one great essential in rock climbing is not, as you would think, physical strength. It is not having the best or the latest equipment. It is not even having the proper training. He said, the one great essential for rock climbing is the ability to see things as they really are. Now let me give you a quote. If we are keenly alert and aware of the rock and what we are doing on it, if we are honest with ourselves and our capabilities and weaknesses, if we avoid committing ourselves beyond what we know is safe, then we will climb safely. For climbing is an exercise in reality He who sees it clearly is on safe ground, regardless of his experience or skill. But he or she who sees reality as he would like it to be may have his illusions rudely stripped from his eyes when the ground comes up all too fast. Um, Rock climbing. You've got to see what you see. You've got to trust what you trust. Every move uh... is extremely obviously important and that's in many ways what a great description of faith if you trust in the lord by what he through the lens of scripture gives you the ability to see you will safely arrive in heaven isn't that the goal how many of you want to make sure you make it to heaven lord we want to go to heaven and we want to make it there for sure Now. Beginning in verse 1, follow along as I read to you. It says, now when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him, earnestly or sincerely, passionately saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving or worthy. And then they said, quoting, for he loves our nation, speaking about Israel. He loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. And then Jesus went with them. This is the story of an extraordinary man. A Roman centurion, and Roman centurions were special men to say the least. Roman soldiers, and in particular centurions who had authority uh, within the Roman army and the Roman structure of their military power, are mentioned several times in scripture and always are mentioned in a favorable light. We think of Rome and the Roman Empire and and sometimes its imperialism or its brutality, but in many ways, I don't know if you've ever heard of the the Pax Romana, which really means the Roman peace. There was a long extended period of time that is generally called in history the Roman peace. And the Roman peace was brought about by the strength of the Roman army that kept the various uh, rebellions and, and so forth down. And as long as people kind of, you know, treated one another right and respected the laws and so forth, they kept, as it were, the peace. Uh, War is constantly wanting to break out. And so by the strength of that, there was peace. Um, They are always, it seems, outstanding men. You remember the Roman centurion mentioned in in the book of Acts, the only historical book on the early church, the only model of the early church that we have. There was a Roman centurion named Cornelius in Caesarea, along the the coast of the Mediterranean Ocean. And while this Roman was in prayer, the Lord spoke to him that he should send servants down to Joppa, also on the Mediterranean, in order to get Peter, the Jew, to come down to him and to his house and teach them the way of the Lord more completely. So it was in a Roman centurion, a Roman soldier's house in Caesarea along the Mediterranean that the gospel of Jesus Christ was first preached. And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came upon Cornelius's whole house and they were all saved and God began this phenomenal work of now adding and incorporating Gentiles in, into the body of Christ and that would go on around the world, and has lasted now for nearly 2,000 years. So here we have now another Roman centurion with great authority within the Roman military. And he is declared worthy. I mean, uh, this guy apparently, and we're not told the whole uh, story background, but apparently what had happened, the way he's described, he's a, he fears God. He, and the God that he fears is the God of the Jews. He's been sent as a Roman soldier, who knows, maybe somewhere from Italy, and his post was, you're going now to the Middle East, you're going to this country called Israel, and there you will be stationed in Caesarea, or you will be here, as it were, in in Capernaum, up in north of Israel, and so you are now going to uh, be among these people. And he was there, and apparently he, he left All of his Greek mythology and and Roman gods and goddesses behind and said, as he was with the Jews and around the Jews and heard, became curious about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he said, that's right, that's true. And he fell in love with God. He began coming at a distance, apparently, honoring God, worshiping God. And, and then began donating money to the local Jewish community there, and in fact had given so much money that they claim he built our synagogue. Here was a man who so believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he gave financially to the Jewish people in order that they might worship the Lord as God had shown them within their own homeland.
0: Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Pastor Ray's messages continue to reach so many people every day, and we've received encouraging comments from listeners around the country. I've listened to Pastor Ray teach about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, along with many stories from the Bible. I always appreciated how he taught from the Word of God and made it relatable and engaging. I'm glad that his ministry continues. To Pastor Ray's family, lots of love and hugs. And God bless always. It's so encouraging to hear how Pastor Ray's teachings have touched so many lives. If you have a message to share, you can email us, ray at raybentley.com or post a comment on our homepage, www.raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley.
1: This Roman centurion had fallen in love with the the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He had given financially to rebuild uh, or build actually a synagogue that they might worship the Lord. So now the the leaders of some of the, the religious community in that area go to Jesus the prophet, at least as they know him, and they are giving an advertisement to Jesus. They're saying, this guy, look, we don't like the the Romans and we really don't like their military. It was well known, the animosity. The Jews wanted the Romans out, but they said, this guy is different. We speak well of him. He is worthy, oh, Yeshua from Nazareth, oh prophet. This man has demonstrated genuine faith. And he has helped us and he has built our synagogue and he loves and cares for his servant. You read there in your translation, servant, but it essentially was a slave. A slave slash servant. And what's also unique about this whole scene and situation is this centurion. In those days, in the the Roman culture, a slave was, was a piece of property you could You know, there was one of the Roman writers who said, you know, you should do an annual evaluation of your property. And if your property is no longer adding value to your, you know, prosperity, then cut it off. And he included slaves. They literally could say to a slave, you know what, you've known nothing else, you have no other means of of, of life or making a living and everything but you haven't been producing for whatever reason they get sick or they're old or whatever and so they just say go and they kick them out and they wander the streets to die you could do that and and not be held or or charged in any way it was unusual for a man to have a servant in this way and care for him and in fact the, the idea is that this roman centurion who has come in contact with the Jews and through them to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Holy One of Israel, has learned to love God, and he has learned to love his fellow man. That's the law. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as you would love yourself. He had a servant who was dying. I mean, he wasn't sick. He is dying. And he cared for him. Now, you think of all the things. If you're going to approach the prophet Jesus you've heard of all these miracles happening and of all the problems you can imagine and the pressures that might be in his life of all the issues that he would you know you don't get maybe many opportunities to even talk to Jesus and and what are you going to bring to him the the number one concern in his mind and in his heart was this servant there was a special relationship He loves this servant, is concerned about his welfare, and he is almost dead. And so Jesus hears his brothers and sisters, these Jewish elders from the synagogues, saying, this man is worthy. He's worthy of your time. He's worthy of your attention, even though he's a Roman, even though he's a soldier. He's the real, genuine article. He has faith in our God Jesus. He is worthy. Now, look with me in verse 6. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was already not far from the house, Jesus is going to his house, the centurion sent friends to him. The centurion doesn't come to Jesus. He's at the house. Why? That's where the servant is who's dying. He's right by his side. So he sends friends to Jesus, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. And therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go. He goes. And to another, come. And he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. Before we even look at Jesus' jaw-dropping amazement at this situation, what I find is just the beautiful irony. This centurion, he's remarkable. He says, I'm not worthy that you, a Jew prophet, should enter under my roof. How ironic is this? the Jewish leaders had come to Jesus with this recommendation this man is worthy and yet the man's response is the exact opposite I am not worthy I am not worthy for you to even be at my house I'm not worthy for you to even be under my roof now this is different from a lot of the Jewish people who with the miracles and multiplying fish and bread and the excitement and, you know, the the amazement of miracle after miracle and demons screaming and knowing who Jesus is and being cast out of people and blind being able to see and lame being able to walk and the withered that are made whole and the deaf that are able to hear and the dumb that are able to speak and, I mean, on and on and on that Jesus had ministered to, but this man says, I'm not even worthy to go greet you or to meet you, let alone have you come under my roof. I'm not worthy. Now this man knew in that culture at that time that it was unlawful for a Jew to enter into the home of a Gentile. He also knew that by having a Jew come into his home, it might put a strain, at least on some, within the religious community, even though he had some who were his great defenders. You remember when Peter entered into the house of Cornelius, Acts chapter 10, verse 28, he apologized initially for doing so because he said to Cornelius, Peter did, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation, Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. God was showing Peter, eight things have changed. And now I want you to go into this man, Cornelius' house. Well, this man knew that, and he said, You're, you know, I'm not worthy to have you come into my house. So, okay, we're talking about amazing faith. Where does it come from? It begins by us being able to see ourselves for who we really are. And that's not an easy thing. Before the 17th century, so let's say, you know, you go back several hundreds of years. When people looked into a lake... When they looked into a pond, when they held up a glass of water, they would tell you as long as it, you could see through it, it was clean. Then in the 17th century, there was a Dutchman, and I won't even, it's a lot of letters, I won't even try to pronounce his name, but he filled a glass of water and began curiously to look through this glass of, of water with a newly acquired microscope lens. And he saw, and these are, this is how he put it, very many small animalcules. He examined then a drop of water under his microscope and he wrote down what he saw. Here's the translation. He said this, I now see very plainly that these were little eels or worms lying all huddled up together and wriggling. Just as if you saw with the naked eye a whole tub full of very little eels and water with the eels squirming one against the other. And the whole water seemed to be alive with these multifarious animalcules. So that's, you know, when they finally got a microscope and looked at what, hey, look, you know, as long as you can see through it to the naked eye, it must be clean. Then they got a new lens and they said, whoa, it looked like a tub full of squirming eels and worms all wriggling around. That's what's in the water. And in a sense, that's what the Holy Spirit does when you come into the presence of a holy God. Oh, it it drives me crazy sometimes because there are people, and I know you hear this all the time, they think that the way you get to heaven is by trying to do good. By doing good deeds and doing good works and you know, trying to maybe outweigh more good deeds than you have bad deeds. What they're basically saying is as long as you can see through the glass, it's, it's clean. But when you have, and, and have you had that experience where the Holy Spirit comes to you and shows you? You know, like Isaiah, you know, I'm undone. When, when the Holy Spirit shows what is inside of your heart and your mind, And the pride and the selfishness and the ego and the lust of the flesh, it's worse than worms. It's just foul. It's unbelievable. And the great problem with most non-Christians, and as I mentioned here in your notes, even with many Christians, is they cannot really see themselves. Now, look how you and I were made. Now, now, this is not the whole story because, as I also mentioned in your notes, while it is true that Christianity that ignores sin becomes sick, Christianity that sees only sin has forgotten grace. Never forget that you are made in the image of God. And you know what's interesting? Even the way God made you and designed you, is a reflection of what will set you free. He gave you two eyes. Guess which way the eyes are made to operate? To look outside of you. In fact, everything about you is to take that which is your personality and let you communicate with that which is outside. That's why the Bible says, behold, the heavens declare the glory of God. You get to see it with his beauty. Wow, what an artist. What an amazing artist God is. How powerful, how glorious. And when you hear, you know, whether it's a little hummingbird's wings or the sounds of, of nature or water going over a brook, it, 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 it revives you. God reveals himself through nature, but he gets way even more personal through his son, Jesus Christ.
0: Pastor Ray Bentley with insights on how we can spot the Lord's creative power and his providence just by looking around us. Glad you've joined us today here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, Faith in God's Authority. If you missed any part of the message, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. Also, click the word MEDIA, and you'll see the words WATCH, RADIO, and DEVO, three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And you'll also find Pastor Ray's books there at raybentley.com. His new book, The Final Witness, is an engaging prophetic fiction novel, part of the Elijah Chronicles series. It's riveting and educational at the same time. And raybentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Or our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world.